This morning we are looking at John 4. I hope you all have your listening guides. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad to have you, and we're always glad to have those of you who are with us every week to worship. Uh, beginning uh, statement together that gives us a, a summary of John 4. Would you read it aloud with me? Jesus offers living water to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well explains God is spirit and must be worshiped in spirit and truth, travels to Cana and speaks healing words that miraculously cure a nobleman's dying son who is 20 miles away. That is a mouthful. It's so much for us to learn and study today. So let's begin by going to the Father in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, how we do thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Anoint your word, Jesus, speak through my mouth, through your holy Bible, because we want to learn how to worship in spirit and truth. We want to learn how to work as it is the Father's will, Father. And we want to walk in faith as the nobleman did. In your name, amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles to John 4, and let's begin, as you know I like for us to do, by reading the beginning part of this passage, and then we'll stop and discuss it a little bit, and then we'll go back. I know you've already discussed this in your discussion group, so I pray that this is just another layer of the richness going into your heart. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. You have in your uh, study guides the map, so I have not been reproducing the maps for you because I know you have them, but you have been able to see where uh, Samaria is right there in between Galilee and Judea, and there was the opportunity to cross the Jordan River, avoid going and passing through Samaria because the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds, and they didn't want anything to do with them. They despised them, but we see here it's says in verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. And we know, of course, he had to because he always did those things that were pleasing to the Father. He had a divine appointment with this woman at Jacob's well, and it is so exciting for us to see how he went through Samaria and what resulted. He came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.' For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food." Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? 
You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us a well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Let's stop there for just a moment. This term living water was not a new word, a new, a new term. The term living water was used way back in Jeremiah 2.13 and it was a reference all the way back in the Old Testament to God himself. And so the implications when Jesus said to her, I would have given you living water, I would have given you God, I would have given you, and he is going to go on and explain to eternal life. And she makes this statement, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? And he didn't say it right that second, but the answer to that question was, of course, say it with me. Yes, <laughs> I am greater than Jacob was. Let's continue in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him shall never thirst but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. I have just loved that visual as I've studied this week. And I wish that I had a hundred little wells to give each one of you to take home because Jesus said that the gift he gives is a well a well. I have in me a well that Jesus has given to me. You have in you a well that Jesus has given you. That is what he says in this scripture. The gift that he has is a well of water springing up to eternal life. The question that you and me have then is, how do we draw from that well? That was the question that the Samaritan woman had. How would you draw from the well? How would you do that? And the question for you and me as Christian women is how do we draw from the well spring? How do we draw from the well that he has given us? Friends, people are dying of thirst. As a matter of fact, there is a term called terminal dehydration, where, where people die because they do not have the fluids they need in us. Our bodies are 66% water. Different sources vary on the amount. But our body is primarily made up, uh, so, so much of it is, is composed of water. Our bodies have to have water. Our souls, our souls, our spirits, have to have water. We thirst. And we see how people thirst because we see them pursuing sex, pursuing money, pursuing control, per pursuing status. As a matter of fact, this past week, Sunday morning, I was up early studying and I was doing some research and I was trying to find a visual of this river of life flowing from the throne of God because it's spoken about not just in this passage, but it's spoken about in Revelation and how there is a river that flows from the throne of God. And I finally found this beautiful image, a painting that was done by a lady and I wanted to get it, but the painting was $500. I found the print. The print was $77. And I thought, you know what? I think I may just splurge and buy that 
print because I wanted you to see that beautiful visual. I knew it wouldn't arrive on time, so I thought I'm going to go to Amazon because sometimes Amazon carries the same products and it could get it here earlier. So I went to Amazon, I typed in river of life flowing from the throne and put in the name of the artist and the next thing that popped up in front of me was a lewd picture of a woman lying on her stomach with her behind in the air, uh, bigger than life, looking at me, barely covered with this much fabric. And at the same time, I was like, oh, what is that? Well, you know, I never should have done click. What is that? Um, but I was horrified. I was like, what is that? And why would that, what does that have to do with river of life? And what does that have to do with the throne? And what is, and the only thing that I could find the similarity of was her first names, not first and last names. I have no idea why it popped up. But I looked at that woman lying there on her stomach and it made me so sad for her. And I looked at her face. I looked at her eyes. And I was sad for her. I was sad for her. And I was sad for the people that bought that print, that bought, that wanted that to hang in their bedroom or to hang wherever they had it hanging. The only behind that needs to be in the air is ours covered praying before the Father. That is the only reason that this behind needs to be where it would ever be seen and that would be covered in a humble, reverent, bowed position before the Lord God Almighty. But people are hungry and they are pursuing, whether it is food, sex, money, power, whatever it is. And here Jesus is and he not once condemns this woman, does he? Not once. Even when he says you've been, yes, it's true, five, and the one you're with right now isn't even your husband. He did not condemn her. He wanted to give her what she was thirsting for that no man, no intimacy, nothing else could satisfy. And friends, he wants to give that to you and he wants to give that to me. He is the only one who can satisfy when we keep reading here, we see that Jesus, I'm sorry, the woman in verse 15 said, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have said correctly, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. She's going to try to change the subject. She's going to deflect from herself. And let's talk religion. Let's talk religion. And you'll find that a lot of people that you talk to who are not saved, they don't want to talk about themselves, their sin, but they're happy to talk to you about, oh, there are many ways to God, and I think this. They're happy to talk subjects and doctrines, but not themselves, because that is the issue. She deflects saying, which mountain should we worship is in? And verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. And I hope you have it highlighted for salvation is from the Jews. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament 
For God so loved the world, but he brought the Savior in through the Jewish nation, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 23, an hour is coming and now is, it's already here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. If you have this verse memorized 24, say it with me. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus is feeding this woman so much. She is feeding us so much. And the woman said to him in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And I just love that verse 26, Jesus is not hiding it. He can say it outright to her. And he says to you, I who speak to you am he. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He said, I am the Messiah to this poor woman who is having to come at the heat of the day. And it is because as Luke 19 10 says, the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Let's look at some points on our overhead. We are seeing water being used again. Friends, I've researched all the times. The baptismal waters are symbolic of the cleansing. The water turned into wine in chapter two then, symbolic of the new life and the new vine and the new covenant that is ushered in that replaces the old covenant and the law and purification. The money changers, tables being turned over in the temple because Jesus wants to turn over the sin in our lives and he wants us as his temple to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descending as a dove on Jesus when he was baptized. And then in John 3, Jesus explaining to Nicodemus, you have to have a second birth, you have a physical birth that comes into this world through the water breaking. And then you also have to have a spiritual birth that occurs by the spirit. The wind blows where it will. And then of course we know the water also symbolic of the washing of the water also used in so many dual ways. And now in John 4, 145, Jesus tells us where to drink the food to eat, where to set our gaze. So we are filled, energized, and we gather fruit for eternity. Anybody want to say amen? Jesus uses physical things, earthly things to explain the spiritual. And so he's going to take that well right there where they're sitting. And he is going to say, we're going to talk about this well, and we're going to talk about water because you can relate to it. And he says that there is a well that he can give her that has living water, that has God, that has the Holy Spirit springing up into eternal life. And he says that the water that he gives is this well, but do you see how this woman had to go to the well and she had to ask? He said, if you would ask, if you would ask, the problem is not the source, the problem is if we are asking. And so we, as humans, have to go to the well and we have to ask, Lord, I know I am a sinner. Would you 
come in. Would you fill me? And those of you who are here have done that. But we also, that woman at the well, she had to draw forth from the well to get the water. She had to drink the water for her body to be saturated with it and replenished and be able to be energized and cooled off. We do too. We do too spiritually. We have to draw on the Holy Spirit. So we see this principle. God is spirit. And I must worship him in spirit. I must worship him in spirit. Not drums, not cymbals, not many, many words. Those all may at some point be a part of worship but I must worship him in spirit. And the Father seeks. The Heavenly Father is looking for who will come and worship him in spirit and in truth because he's spirit. So he must be worshiped that way. Friends, we have to understand that there is a distinction between our spirit, our soul, and our body. Now, we don't have any problem understanding our body. Our body is here, and it talks to us all the time. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I need a nap. Our body speaks to us. Can you hear your body? No, not unless your stomach grumbles. But your body speaks to you. Well, your soul is your mind, emotions, and your will. And your soul speaks to you, I'm unhappy. That person made me angry. I feel happy. Your soul speaks to you. Can you hear your soul? No, but you've got a voice talking to you in your head, don't you? Well, friends, it's no different with the spirit. The spirit speaks. As a matter of fact, I have a, a conference on that. I have a podcast on that. The spirit speaks but it's not audible, but it, it, is, it is real. As your body talking to you and you knowing what to do when your body's talking to you, as your soul talking to you and you know what to do to adjust that soul talk or maybe align it with the Lord and the spirit. But friends, we are to be spirit driven. We are three people. We are made in the image of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are a triune being ourselves, spirit, soul, body. And a person who does not have the Spirit of God, they simply do what feels good. If it feels good, do it. Because they, they don't have the Spirit of God. And their spirit is dead within them. It is not drunk of eternal life. And so people that do not have the Spirit of God, they just do think, say what they want to, but too many times we as believers are the same because we have not learned to worship in spirit and truth and we have not learned to pay attention to the Holy Spirit speaking in us. If there is anything you can leave here with today, it is that you are to be spirit-driven not physically driven, not emotionally driven, not just your mind telling you what to do. You're to be driven by the Spirit of God in you. How do we do this? Because we know that the Father seeks people who will worship him in spirit and truth. Well, Romans 12, 1 is very important. It says, 
Present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Say those words with me, spiritual service of worship. And so when we go before the Lord, and I know you do, as I do in the mornings, and we, as the woman, went to the well, I get up, I go to the wellspring of eternal life, God, and present my body to him, a living, I'm alive, not dead, and holy, because Christ has set me apart as holy. And I'm there to have a conversation with him that I want him to speak to me and I want to do his will. How do we worship in spirit? Ephesians 6, 18 says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. You know you're the temple of God if you have the Holy Spirit in you. And so you and I are able to be in a constant wherever we go from the time that we have prayed intimately and we have presented ourselves before God and worshiped him in spirit and truth in our private communion time with him to as we are going about our day, we are in a constant state of being mindful and of speaking to him and paying attention when we get prompts, go this way, go that way, do this, don't say that. We are in continual prayer with him. Psalms 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I have spoken many times about, that's why I go into my prayer time and the first part I open is the front section where I every day go back and I say, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God. And I write it, write it, write it, PTL, praise the Lord, I praise you Lord. I enter into my prayer time with thanksgiving and praise, but we know also that Isaiah 59 2 warns us that your sins can cut you off, not eternally, but the fellowship. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen. God is holy. God is holy, so we must have repentance be a part of that worship and then asking and listening with the intention to obey because 1 John 5 14 says, this is our confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. So we are in a constant state of putting our will under his will. If we move on, because about this time the disciples show up, right? And they don't even ask, although they would probably like to, why Jesus is speaking with her. And she goes off, the woman does, and tells the other men in the city, and I think it's interesting that she tells the men, <clears throat> not the women, but it sounds like she knows the men better than the women who have probably shunned her. And we see here, the disciples are saying, Rabbi, eat. Did somebody bring you a burger while we were gone? Uh, they're like, why are you not eating? And Jesus said to him, a verse I hope you have memorized. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his purposes, to accomplish his work. And so right here, he's talking about spiritual food. Friends, we need spiritual food. We need spiritual food. Well, where do I get that spiritual food? Of course, the scriptures, but also we, I, am energized by doing his work. 
by doing his will, it gives me energy. It's my soul food. It's my spiritual fuel. And Satan has deceived so many people into thinking, oh, I don't want to be a volunteer for there for church. I'm already busy. Or I don't want to. It's your spiritual food. If it's his calling for you. In verse 35, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at our dying world. Look at the darkness. Look at the people in your life who don't know Jesus. Look at the news. And don't just say, oh, they make me sick. Our world's going to hell in a handbasket. No, lift up your eyes and say, God, how do you want to use me? God, how do you want to use me? I am lifting up my eyes. Lord, how do you want to use me? He who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. When you get to heaven and you have been a voice for God, you have worked in the nursery, you have taken food to a person who doesn't know Christ, you are have, going to need to expect there are wages for you, you're going to be paid in heaven. There are rewards for heaven, but that's not why we do it. But we do want to look, we want to seek, we want to sow and reap as we see here. And so we've seen this well, this well, and that we're to worship in spirit. And we go to that well when we're dry. We go to that well in worship when we're in a slump and we praise and need be, we repent and we thank him. And as we do that, we are drawing from the wellspring of life and the Holy Spirit and I and the Holy Spirit and you through the spirit that God created us with, we start, it will start fellowshipping as he fills us. And we recognize that the food that is going to sustain me in this world is not just that bag of potato chips that I love to eat. That's not gonna sustain me. That's probably, and as a matter of fact, gonna hurt my body. But doing what God has called me to do is going to feed my soul, my mind, emotions, and will, and fuel and energize me. And then we see closing this word. We've got the well, we've got the work, and we've got the, the word now in 46. You know the story, Jesus is back in Cana where he performed his first miracle, his first sign, and he's back in Cana performing his second miracle, his second sign. And they're all different. The first one was so private, it, but there were people who then knew about it. But this one is just amazing. I want to be like this noble man. Do you? Who wants to be like the noble man? Ah, let me see your hand. We all, we all want to be like the noble man. Because he went 20 miles when he heard that Jesus was in Cana because he had seen his miracles before and his son was dying. Oh, but friends, Jesus just had to speak the word because the word created the world. And the word 
is powerful and he is powerful and this is powerful we get to be the recipients of it the royal official verse 49 said sir come down before my child dies and Jesus said to him go your son lives the man believed the word that's it Jesus said it and the man believed the word. Do you believe the word? If you do, you'll forgive as God has forgiven you. Do you believe the word? If you do, you will worship in spirit. You'll make sure that worship is a part of your everyday experience. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to start early in the morning so that you'd be having the spirit speak to you all day and directing you. When you worship in spirit, take your journal so that what he speaks into you, you can write down and you can follow up and you can do. Go to the word, go to Jesus, go to the Bible. We see how important it is that we do this. And so we see again a principle that Jesus' transformative power and our impact on others is possible when we believe the word, Jesus, and the word, and then we walk. We don't see it, just like he didn't see it yet, but we walk then by faith in the word that he spoke. We walk by faith. And when we do, then we see the transformative power that Jesus is able to accomplish that is beyond anything that we could imagine. So I wanna leave you with this encouragement. Number one, read these with me, please, out loud. I can go to the heavenly wellspring. I can ask Jesus for living water, eternal life. I can be cleansed of sin. I can increasingly Worship in spirit and truth. I want to learn better and better and better how to do this. I can do the Father's will. Read with me. Let's read it again. I can do the Father's will and work and it be my spiritual food. I can see people as Jesus does. I can speak respectfully, stay on topic. She tried to get off topic. He brought her back. I can speak the truth. Salvation is from the Jews. I can sow seeds and or reap. And I can stay with people and not give up. Finally, I can go to Jesus, give him my needs, listen and walk in faith, believing that his word is true and powerful to perform what he says. What's your golden nugget takeaway? Because the word has spoken to us today. Write it down. Your golden nugget takeaway. Worship in spirit right now. Oh, Father, we worship you. <laughs>